0: The
1: we have
0: to fear is war. There is no substitute for victory. Let us
1: never negotiate out of fear. We stand undivided, forever united, fighting
2: hand in hand for the liberty we burn, for glory and
1: honor, for our sons and daughters, ever mindful of the lessons we've learned. Let the
0: torch of freedom
2: burn. Welcome to the intersection of faith and politics. This is Wall Builders Live with David Barton and Rick Green. Thanks for joining us today. Visit online at wallbuilders.com, wallbuilderslive.com, and today also constitutionalive.com. Constitution Alive is our teaching on the Constitution. We take about 12 hours to give you a crash course. the entire constitution including the principles upon which it was founded and all kinds of action steps on how to restore our constitutional republic here on wall builders live we are sharing with you this week chapter two out of constitutional live so it's a four-part series if you're tuning in for the first time then today you're going to be right in the middle of that four-part series but it's still great information you're going to enjoy it immensely and uh, and you'll get the conclusion uh, today of that four-part series and you can go online to wallbuilderslive.com and listen to all four programs. We also encourage you to grab those links and share them with your friends and family so that they can get educated about the Constitution as well. We're going to pick up right where we left off yesterday. This will be the conclusion of our four-part series here on Wallbuilders Live, sharing with you Chapter 2 out of Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. I may not like a Dodge, may not like great. doesn't matter. I don't have the authority to do anything. That you th- it use everything.
1: When you really everything. think
2: about the authority, because a nation without God, that government has the authority to do anything they want. Because, like you said, they're God. And you choose any other nation in the world that is secular, and, and you know, in Germany right
0: now, they literally—it's y- a crime to homeschool your kids because you're not—you're not the one over here. In America, we've held for generations a position Supreme Court articulated in the case called Pierce versus Society Sisters, Minor, Nebraska. That it's the fundamental right of parents to direct the education, upbringing, and care of the state. Them. It's not the, the state, but over there, no, 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 parents, you belong to the state. The kids in Scotland. We were talking to a guy recently who said in Scotland, from the time you're born, every kid is assigned a government official liaison oh, to I the state. I remember that on our radio. That's show. Right. Yeah, I started thinking about. Imagine that if every kid's assigned, they assume to that state every kid belongs to the state. Them. That's right. Every kid belongs to the state. Therefore, we have to assign you a government mm-hmm. official the time you're born, time you come to this earth. And you don't belong to your parents. Wait a minute, we believe you do. We believe that the parents are the Lord
2: because God made the appearance. So these initial principles really matter in, your, in your day-to-day make, day life. It's not just huge. books and you know old documents. This, this impacts and, our And, and lives, it's not right? just, well, if you believe in God,
0: that's fine. That's your private belief, but don't bring it in public with you. If I don't bring it in public with me, you don't have a limited government. You're going to lose all those. You're documents. going to lose all the enabled rights. So that's the second point. Okay. The third point is very simple. It says that to secure these rights, the governments are instituted among men. Now we have the purpose of government. Purpose of government is to protect inalienable rights. Those God-given rights, government exists to protect those God-given rights. Now, significantly, government does not exist to make sure we all have a job or that we've got a great economy. Government exists to make sure that we have a certain set of rights that nobody can violate, nobody can take away. Now, once we've done that, and if you do that, then you will have a prosperous government. You will have a limited government. You will have freedom. And with freedom, we, we take off. I mean, we're gangbusters with freedom. We invent things. We find things. We discover things. We're entrepreneurs. Uh, this 4% of the world population in America produces more than 96% of the world every year with inventions and, and patents and everything else. I mean, we're more creative because we have more freedom. Because this formula produces Because that produces formula right that. there.
2: So you're saying, so, so government is there to protect, not provide. It's there, oh, it's no, there, absolutely. It's there to protect you and then you go out and earn and produce. If they will keep... THIEVES OFF MY BACK.
0: I WILL GO AND TAKE MY IDEAS. IF THEY WILL KEEP SOMEBODY FROM STEALING MY IDEAS, I'LL GO AND I'LL I'll CREATE A MCDONALD'S IN EVERY CORNER. THIS IS DAVID BARTON WITH ANOTHER MOMENT FROM AMERICA'S HISTORY. THE TEACHINGS OF GOD'S WORD ARE THE BEST FRIENDS CIVIL GOVERNMENT HAS BECAUSE THESE TEACHINGS DEAL WITH THE HEART. Only by dealing with the heart can crime be prevented, for as Jesus explained in Matthew 5, all crime comes from the heart. Understanding this, Daniel Webster, the great defender of the Constitution, once declared, the cultivation of the religious sentiment represses licentiousness. It inspires respect for law and order and gives strength to the whole social fabric. Whatever makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. Indeed, it is not the good Christians whom the police arrest for armed robbery, gang activity, or other such crimes. Understanding this, the Founding Fathers encouraged religious instruction. For as Daniel Webster so accurately noted, good Christians make good citizens. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. I'll create a wall march in every city if you just keep people from stealing my ideas
2: and just that principle was taught today we wouldn't have government growing so much because we've shifted that now we think government's job is to provide us with every little need that we and have. the more it provides the less prosperous you become
0: because the less initiative you have and the yeah. less creative you are government's not creative it is never creative government doesn't discover things they don't file patents and cures and whatever right you know they have monopolies if they keep the private citizen from doing it but they're not the creative source so yeah. that's the third principle. okay fourth principle says and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. We'll talk about this more later. But that told every person in that generation that there is a fixed moral law. There are certain laws you cannot cross, and they are called the laws of nature and nature's God. Now, we don't know what that means today, but we'll show you literally the books where the founding fathers took that phrase, what it meant, how they understood it. But there are certain absolute rights and wrongs. We live in a culture that says, well, if it's right for you, it's right for you, but I don't think yeah. it's right. And, no? You can't have a culture that says, you know, well, rape is okay sometimes, but not okay. And, you know, theft is okay if it's for the right reason. You can't be Machiavellian that justify the means. You know, rape's okay sometimes. Theft's okay sometimes. And, you know, a white lie doesn't hurt anything. No, you got to have fixed rights and wrongs. Perjury is not okay if it's for a good reason. You can't purge yourself under oath if it's a little white. No, you have to have fixed absolute But if there and that's is no
2: moral me. law, then then, anything then you goes, are.
0: Right? If there's no moral law, it becomes anarchy because I will decide what is right and. Then I get to decide what's right for me. And, and if I have a, if my AR-15 has thirty shots in the mag, rather than yours that has twenty, I'm more right than you are. Depends on how good of a shot you
2: are. Called. Oh, that's true <laughs> but, too. True. But I get your point. No, that's exactly right. I mean, now there's no fix, like you said. Those
0: John Quincy Adams said at that point, you have the law of the tiger and the yeah. shark. That's where gangs rule. That's where guys with, with the biggest fists rule. Yeah. That's not what you want. You have to have fixed moral laws that nobody can transgress. You don't cross these laws. The fifth thing you have from the Declaration says, government instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, what what you get with this is what we call the consent of the governed or the will of the majority. This is There is nothing in the Constitution that ever allows anything smaller than a majority to win a vote, unless you're in the U.S. Senate today. And because of the filibuster, 40 beats 60 every time. Founding fathers opposed that. That's why they did not allow filibusters was the rule of the majority. Now, this is point number five, and it comes only after you've said there are inalienable rights and only after you've said there is a fixed moral law. We don't get to vote on whether rape will or not yeah. be a crime because that's part of the fixed, that's part of the laws of nature and nature of God. Yeah. We don't get to vote on, on whether you're going to lose your right to keep and bear arms because that's an inalienable right. The right to defend yourself is a mm-hmm. God-given right. God gave it to you, not the government. We can't vote that we're going to take that away from you. So the consent of the government is good when you talk about, do we want the sidewalk to be four feet wide or five feet wide or six feet wide? Do we want the speed limits to be 45 or 55? Or if you're in Texas, 85? <laughs> yeah, you know, That's what we can do on yeah. the consent of the government. But we cannot vote on an a rights or fixed moral laws. That's the principles of the Declaration. And the sixth principle- is- Consent of the government doesn't overrule those basic those right. truths. And-, and Government and exists to protect those truths. Yeah. And, and with those truths, we can have a civilized
2: culture and move forward. But so so doesn't mean we years. just put our finger to the wind and well, whatever's popular at no. the time changes those fixed points. That now, goes, we can put our finger to the wind on sidewalk sides, right. the speed limits, but
0: we can't put our finger to the wind on moral laws and on any other yeah, right. that's a great point. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or to abolish and institute new government. Instructive of what ends? If you get a government that does not do the first five things, if you get a government that says there is no creator, uh, the creator does not give you certain guaranteed rights. Government does. We don't exist to protect those rights. And by the way, there is no moral law. There's no rights and wrongs except what we tell you to do. And there's no consent of the government. We will decide what you... If you get a government that want to pull the first five things, it says it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new government. That is the sixth principle of a government. We have a lot of changes have gone on in our constitutional government today, and they didn't happen by the people. The president, by fiat of one pen, decides he's going to change the government. The, the Supreme Court decides we need to make policy. We don't like that legislative body across it. You cannot have the branches going in and redefining their rights. Violating, the violating the first five principles. violating the first five principles. The only way that we get the success, prosperity, freedom, liberty, everything we enjoy is those first five principles. And because government comes from the people, if those first five principles, which are our needs, are not met, then we can start this thing over or we can pass constitutional amendments, 27 of them. We can change our government however, but it always comes back to us. You can't have any branch change itself.
2: And the great thing for us, we can actually do that in in a peaceable means. Innovation. Oh, yeah. We've been Absolutely. given the tools to alter or abolish. We do not have to have revolutions to do this. Yeah. Or a revolution with ballots
0: instead of with bullets. See, that, yeah. that's the revolution we need because at this point in American history, based on, on national statistics, only one out of three Americans vote in presidential elections. Only one out of four vote in non-presidential elections, which means, uh, since it takes a majority, with only one out of three voting in presidential elections, that means that half of that one out of three chooses the president, which is about 18%, wow. 17, which means five out of six Americans are not choosing the president right now, and seven out of eight Americans are not choosing their governor. But they're living with the consequences. They're living with the consequences. Yes, it's impacted. You wanna have a revolution? Show up at the ballot box and say, I've had it. I'm not gonna be part of that five out of six and don't vote for my president anymore. I'm yeah. gonna vote for my president. Here's what I'm gonna get. And when we decide to do that, we can have an easy revolution. So the, the six principles that are very simple here is one, there's a divine creator, two, inalienable rights come from God, three, governing system to protect those rights, four, there's a fixed moral law, five, you have the consent of the governed below the moral law and inalienable rights, and six is if we don't get these five things, we can change it until we do.
1: let the torch of freedom
0: burn.
2: We mentioned where some of this comes from. Back in right. Philadelphia, we talked about that uh, Richard Henry Lee mentioned that uh, John Locke's two traces of government had a huge impact yeah. on Jefferson. Okay, this is the coolest thing you've ever given me. Actually, I have to admit you loaned it to me, but possession's nine tenths of the law. <laughs> You're I've right. had it for about 10 years now, so I'm, I'm claiming it, but You're someday an... it'll be, go back let's to Let's it. hear you go argue that in court, Tony. Come on. <laughs> All right, this is John Locke's Two Trees of Government. This is, I believe, a 1784 version or a 74 version, if I remember right. So so this is Locke. That's and, a 1774. Oh, you got me beat right there. The, the dueling Locke books. So tell us more about Locke, though, because I hear a lot of people say a lot of negative things about him, and if he was such an influence on the founders, then that means they weren't religious guys, they didn't believe in God. What, what, one of the things Locke? you know for sure about Locke,
0: and, and political scientists have documented that he was one of the three most frequently cited individuals in the founding era. founding era goes from 1760 through 1805. In that era where we're establishing and operating our first constitutional government, he's one of the top three guys. So now, he,
2: we want to really understand the document itself. Mm-hmm. We need to know a little bit about the guys that a lot about the guys that gave. He you. is the guy in the 1760s and 1770s. He is the guy quoted
0: most often because that's the age where we did the Declaration. Richard Henry Lee, you mentioned, he said that they quote copied the treat the copied the Declaration from those two treatises of government. Yeah. Now that's why in American public schools prior to 50 years ago in government class you would have read those two treatises. Really. Because that's where the, how can you study government and not know where it came from? Will you read this. You will not read this today. And as you know, your version there is an inch thick. Mine is three quarters an inch thick. They're both less than 400 pages long. Yeah. This book cites the Bible over 1,500 times to show the proper operation of civil government.
2: Now, now let me do the math here. That's got to be, what, three, four times a page? Three or four times a you, page. You can't go a page without reading the Bible, and yet we're told these guys and, didn't respect and we're, the Bible. We're told didn't,
0: and we're told John Locke is a great deist. That he was one of the leading deists. you know yeah. weird thing about locke as a deist i wonder why he did this little book right here this is called the commonplace book to the bible you open this up and it's a uh, the scripture's sufficiency practically demonstrated wait a minute what's a deist doing showing us that the bible
2: applies to every aspect of life yeah I mean think of the, it practically demonstrated so he's saying this is how you use the bible this is how you use in the bible, your life, and everything A everything today life. would not do that no way and so he talks to the reader
0: and how applicable this is. And then he goes into here. And what he has done is he's taken all these verses out of the Bible and put them in categories. So the the duty of a believer with respect to humility. Uh, the duties arising from religion relating husband and wife. Uh, duties Religious duties toward God and affliction and persecution. I mean, you take any category
2: and you put the Bible verses together. Why would a deist do that? Yeah, if you thought it was some watchmaker God that steps back and has nothing to do with us, you wouldn't be applying God's word to your marriage. To your, your marriage, everything. And, and
0: see, that, that's the thing is because he is the guy who had such a great impact, because he had such a big impact and because he is so religious. Oh, no, he, he's he's a deist. You don't need to read his works in government class anymore. So uh, uh, th- to show you how far we've come in our thinking, even as people of faith, I was recently with a group of about 500 pastors, and I said, how many Bible verses can you guys think of that deal with government less than 10 in the room said so here's a little book right here with more than 1,500 Wow! and he does say it is the scriptures practically demonstrate the sufficiency of the scriptures Bible applies to it and the founders knew that as a matter of fact that's why if you look at the Declaration of Independence those rights set forth in the Declaration historians have documented that every single right set forth in the Declaration of Independence had been preached from the American pulpit prior to 1763. The Declaration of Independence is nothing more than a listen to the sermons we've been hearing. So the they,
2: they weren't, the church was not applying government principles to our life. The church was applying the Bible, and that got reflected and in government our government principles. principles. So if it was getting taught from the pulpit, it showed up in our government documents. This guy right here, guy named John Wise.
0: John Wise, um, historians like Clinton Roster, the, at, actually at Cornell University, he was such a great historian, award winning historian. That they have an endowed chair of history, the Clinton roster chair of history, a great historian, and he went back and said, "You know, the American thinking was so different. No other nation did what we did. France didn't do it. Spain didn't do it. Portugal, Italy, no other nations." So you'd be wondering why? Why? Why would we do something different? And his question: Who? What were the six greatest intellectual forces in shaping the thinking of the founders? He went through and identified six greatest, and four of the six were preachers, and he was one of them. This guy right here. Now, these are his sermons from 1710 and 1717, and you'll find that by sixteen eighty and he's a preacher in Massachusetts. You'll find by sixteen eighty he had looked through the Bible and he preaches a sermon well, looking at government in the Bible, it's very clear that God's preferred form of government is the consent of the governed. I think I've heard that phrase before. He looks through here and he this says was when? This was This is sixteen eighties. So this is a hundred years before. Sixteen eighties. And he's already talking about consent, consent of the, the government. Okay. And a hundred years before he says, you know, there is a creator and he's created all men equal. And he's given them all the same set of rights. Wow. 1680s. And, and he goes there and he says, when you look at what the Bible says about taxation, it is very clear that taxation without representation is tyranny. No kidding.
2: Right here. So this is, I mean, when we say scenes of liberty, he was literally planting 100 years before what would bear fruit That's it. Well, in, let, in our founding document, Let me show you how
0: significant this was because he did this in the 1680s. Tell me what the date of publication of that is right down there.
2: Oh I have to read Roman numerals. This is gonna be difficult. Okay, so this is this is seventeen seventy two. Is, is it seventy two? I was gonna say fifty two, so that's seventy two. Okay, 72. so seventeen So the founders then, in their era You know who the Sons of Liberty are? Yeah. All right. Who are great Sons of Liberty? So that was uh, Sam Adams started Sam it. Sam right? Adams. John Hancock, okay.
0: James Otis, and all those guys sons they're the ones who they reprinted, reprinted this his sermon and distributed across
2: America, so okay. Americans would know how to think going into this conflict. Okay, so wait, so this, so these are sermons preached 100 years before the Declaration. The founders themselves reprinted his sermons, Son to, to help educate their generation to get them thinking on high principles. So, okay, this gives me great hope because that means if they did it, if they could do this 200 and whatever years ago, reprint re-educate bring these things back to light then we can do the same thing today. absolutely we bring these documents out we That's educate right. a generation they come back to these principles we bring and, and, them. and remember that principle number one and it's demonstrated through here but principle number one of the declaration there is a creator
0: and if you don't recognize the creator then you've got trouble now this is the other thing we get today the founding fathers is agnostic deist it, really you know let me let me take something right here this is you tell me what's the, what's the name at the bottom of this thing george washington George Washington. This is his first ever call to prayer in America at the federal government. That is Washington, seventeen eighty nine. This is going to be October the seventeenth, seventeen eighty nine. He calls the entire nation to honor God. Now, why would Washington do that? He gives the answer right here in this first paragraph. Let me, let me just put it up. I'll, okay. I'll show you what's in this first paragraph. Washington is now calling the nation to honor God. Why would he do it? He says. It's the duty. And notice the word duty. Uh, that's a word that is a big, important word. We don't talk about it much today. Military yeah. still gets it. A lot of the rural people know what duty means. I built houses for a long time. I, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars change hands. I never signed a contract in my life. I'd walk into the bank guy. We would talk about the terms. We would shake hands on it. Neither one of us would break oh. that contract, that you have a duty to keep your word. Yeah. I don't need it on paper. I've got to do it. So, Today you hear duty and people think, oh, responsibility, I, I, I do that. Yeah. See, duty in his day is a legally binding contractual obligation. In 1913, the, the definition of duty was reduced to a responsibility, and today's dictionary says it's that which one ought to do. Well, that's not the yeah. same. It choice a, sounds like a choice, a choice instead of this is what you do. So what he's saying is a legally binding contractual obligation of who? Of nations. Legally binding contractual obligations of nations to do four things concerning God. Number one, to acknowledge the providence of the Almighty God. Number two, to obey His will. Number three, to be grateful for His benefits. Number four, humbly to implore His protection and favor. And that's what nations are supposed to do, not individuals. So they believe this philosophy that you have to honor and recognize God as but, a God. But, cons- but this is just the father of the country. I, yeah. what is- I mean, he's one of the great deist founding fathers, which is what we're told in school but he's today. he's obligating the nation. He's, he's obligating the, the nation. nation has the nation, a duty to the do this. nation, not individuals. So the nation has. So all a duty this stuff this. about
2: official acts and oh, you can keep your religion at home, and you can talk about God, but don't even have a you know public day of prayer. Remember when our our governor Rick Perry couldn't even pray with people in Houston? Yeah, because he got it, because he's governor. He's not allowed to pray with people because it's official. Uh, exactly what we want is official prayer. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the United States Constitution, but just felt like, man, the classes are boring, or it's just that old language from 200 years ago, or I don't know where to start? People want to know, but it gets frustrating because you don't know where to look for truth about the Constitution either. Well, we've got a special program for you available now called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. And it's actually a teaching done on the Constitution at Independence Hall in the very room where the Constitution was framed. We take you both to Philadelphia, the Cradle of Liberty and in Independence Hall, and to the Wall Builders Library, where David Barton brings the history to life to teach the original intent of our Founding Fathers. We call it the Quick Start Guide to the Constitution because in just a few hours through these videos, you will learn the Citizen's Guide to America's Constitution. You'll learn what you need to do to help save our constitutional republic It's fun, it's entertaining And it's going to inspire you to do your part To preserve freedom for future generations It's called Constitution Alive With David Barton and Rick Green You can find out more information on our website now At wallbuilders.com Let the torch of freedom burn You
0: see that? What's that? Proclamation for Thanksgiving. It's handwritten. It's done by a guy named John Langdon. Oh, he's the governor. Cons- oh, wait a minute. He's the signer of the Constitution. Constitution. yeah. Yeah, so what do you mean a governor can't have prayer? Here's a governor who's Here a signer of the Constitution. So the signer of the Constitution thought it was the right thing. You've also got Samuel Huntington. There, there's a signer of the Declaration. He's a call to prayer. He's now governor of his state. He calls the people. So to prayer. this is an official act. An official the governor. act. Governor. Here's one from Oliver Wolcott, another signer of the Declaration, another governor of his state calling people to prayer. Um, here's one from John Langdon, governor of the state. Now this is, you know, that was handwritten. This is this is called broadside because they would nail these up to trees or they nailed yeah. these up to side of bars. Evidently somebody nailed it up and you see the part missing and tore it down. Look. <laughs> And here you've got John Hancock, I mean, here, here's his, I mean, even behind us, we got all these things behind us, you know, if I, if I go to this one right here, pull this one out,
2: you know, you'll you'll recognize the guy there, who's, who's at the bottom. Well, we're back to the Sons of Liberty, so here's Sam, Sam Adams, when he's governor. When he's governor. Okay, now, this, so this kind of ties it together for me, so... Adams reprints, he and others reprint John Wise. So there's the principles from a pastor 100 years earlier. Now he's in an official capacity, and he's basically reiterating those exact same principles. Exactly. John Wise. And that's the first principle of American government is you have to have something
0: higher than government, and it was God. Yeah. And because God's higher than government, he gives us a certain set of rights to government. You cannot touch those rights. Now we have limited government, and by the way, government, you exist primarily to protect the rights that God told all of us. So we have a right to free speech. We have a right to self-defense. We have a right to sanctity of our home. We have a right to justice. We have a right to trial by jury. Government, you have to protect those rights. As
2: all, all the things that they listed out as but right. But if you take the first principle out, all take of that falls apart. You take God out. It, it, so these are the seeds of liberty. These are this the seeds is liberty. what produced this most incredible nation in the history of the world. So if we go back to the seeds. We can bear that right. same fruit that we've had. Once you understand this, now we can talk about the Constitution, because yeah. now you'll understand the Constitution. All right. Well, we're going to step back and get a thirty thousand feet view of the Constitution in our next section, kind of a broad overview of the entire Constitution. When we return here on Constitutional Live with David Barton and Rick Green. Well, friends, that was Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. It was Section 2 out of the full 12-hour program. And today, of course, was the final segment of our four programs this week where we had to break up that Chapter 2 for you in order to get it all in. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll check it out at ConstitutionAlive.com for the entire program on DVD and the workbook. And we also encourage you to share it in your Sunday school class, bring friends into your home and open it up so you can teach them on the Constitution as well. More information there at constitutionallive.com. If you'd like to share just this particular chapter that we've had this week here on Wall Builders Live, all four programs from this week are available right now at wallbuilderslive.com. Thank you for listening to Wall Builders Live with David Barton and Rick Green. We stand on